So welcome everybody to part two of what I like to call the great recalibration. I don't believe it's a great rejuvenation. I, I think we're still coming out of a lot of very hard times over the last year and a half. I don't think it's a great resignation. I think there are other reasons that we've talked about in previous podcasts that uh, are more deliberate and, and concise about what is really happening out there. But I do believe it's the great recalibration that's going on. And this is part two of that, to just go into that a little bit more depth about the entrepreneurialism spirit in the United States, the, the job starts versus job losses, um, business starts versus job losses, and really what's kind of behind the curtain there, or at least our first blush at that. My name is Chris Joslin. I'm your host, and welcome to this edition of Jaws Bites. Today, I'd like to take a few minutes to just put a little emphasis on some of the things that I've been reading lately about what is being termed as the great resignation and the great rejuvenation out there in terms of how many job quits there are, people deciding anecdotally that they have a, an epiphany of some kind that this pandemic in the last year and a half of lockdowns and mandates and mask wearing and political infighting, all the different things that go on to create the environment that we live in today. We need to take a look at really what that's about. Are people quitting their jobs simply, as you hear from these stories and anecdotes, because they want a life change? There are certainly outliers that uh, speak to that very effectively. And I think there's always outliers that that is the reason for doing something. Uh, more succinctly, I believe, looking through statistics and, and analyzing some of the data that comes out on the Census Bureau and some of the other places that you can find a lot of what's been going on in the last year and a half as far as quits and business startups, et cetera, it, it, you te I tend to believe it's more about uh, supply, supply and demand. When there are other opportunities that may affect one's life or the, the circle of influence we live in, then we go after those opportunities because they can promote the life or the living or the financial aspects of, of where we want to be. And the risk reward is becomes tolerable enough to, to make those moves, to have a whole lot of people quitting, even when there's so many jobs available, hardly anybody going back. And we can talk about the reasons behind that in terms of too many subsidies from the government or too long of subsidies, though many, many have been needed over the course of the last year and a half. So in, you know, I Love Logistics has done as they are our, our primary sponsor, as always, coming across your screen probably right now, I Love Logistics, www.ilovelogistics.com an aggregated, curated website designed to bring you information as a business professional in the industry, even outside the industry. Because part of this is a, is an, a uh, desire to have supply chain in general, transportation logistics, everything from over the road to LTL to international shipping be talked about in terms of its importance within the um, overall livelihoods of almost everybody around us. And I, I believe I read an article the other day that talked about how the instead of getting an MBA, people should get supply chain degrees now, because with 
food supply chains and, and um, all the medicine supply chains, cold supply chains, international ships uh, being stuck in the Suez Canal or blocked up in the harbors in all over the world, COVID affecting all of this. People have been, it's come out of the woodwork and people can see how important all these subjects are. So join us, be part of that, that community, be part of that growing, growing community that understands more importance has to be made around how we mitigate the and prepare for the uh, moments that create supply chain challenges. Uh, I, I think that's one of the, the main topics I'd like to get into in further podcasts about how we can bridge the gap during times of severe need, in times of, of major challenges and, and uh, clogs in the pipe, as I've said in the past, where we don't have the infrastructure, the network, as individual companies or as a society in whole in terms of how we've managed our supply chain, chain to flex with the challenges that we see. You know, from a, a governmental standpoint, we have things like FEMA in place that that are there to have a, a backup supply of whatever is needed to mitigate mitigate the, the the costs and the challenges that occur with natural disasters. Well, there are business disasters, there are infrastructural disasters, there are bridge collapses and floods and and you know weather and high seas and in uh, route changes in, in ships that dump their cargo in this COVID pandemic, all kinds of things that happen all the time. Well, they, just, they affect many, many points in our lives. And everything we either want or need as human beings to sustain ourselves has to get somewhere near us to be able, for us to be able to buy it, trade for it, utilize it, whatever. So you can see that there's a great deal of importance around that. But to get back to the, the subject at hand, because I'm veering off the in, a, in quite a tangent, you know, it's been widely reported that the pandemic prompted people to question their jobs. And in what I'm talking about today, you can read a wonderful article that I think it might have been put on the industry indicators in the last week or so on iLevelLogistics.com. Um, you may have been able to link to it on the daily, which if you haven't signed up for it, I really recommend you do so. Um, be a subscriber, be a, be a person that follows us on YouTube or one of the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, et cetera. And you'll find something interesting to you. And we really encourage feedback because we can provide better and better content based on that. But in terms of what's been reported about this pandemic, it's prompted people to question their jobs. And I, I mentioned that as, as kind of an anecdotal thing, but you know, the whole question people have is, is my job? really satisfying me in terms of what I'm trying to do and accomplish in life? Is it yielding the return on my time and energy investment? Um, the daily tasks yield tangible benefits for me or society as a whole, because a lot of people are designating part of their persona around what they're doing for, for the society as a whole, what they're doing for the collective as a whole. And is this going to be my career? The answers were evidently troubling because millions and millions of people have begun to leave their, their jobs. Some were pushed out the door first, but eventually they decided, I don't want to come back. Thus, the term great resignation. Now, um, you know, we've, we've examined that in the past, in past posts, in past podcasts. We've looked at that, claims about the great re resignation. 
and detailed data, data and analysis have really demonstrated that most people quit their jobs when other jobs, better jobs, again, their risk reward return for the time spent because, you know, a job is really about that. You're trading hours for dollars. And if you find that there is a different job, either in your industry or outside of your industry, that's going to give you a higher number of dollars for the hours of contribution or the work you're putting in, then using your own individual agency, your own understanding of your characteristic parameters for life, and you decide to make a jump like that, that it's very possible. It's not necessarily that you've had a a long period of meditation and may have an epiphany about why you should move to better fulfill yourself. That is great if that is an add-on to what you're trying to do, but it is not necessarily the reason for doing something like that. So I think we all need to understand that from a just very pragmatic standpoint. So when better jobs are available, people move. And the data showed that this is true before the pandemic as well as during and after. You know, colorful anecdotes about Quitting jobs and having dissatisfaction or offer wonderful, compelling you know, stories uh, in foundational supply and demand market forces. They kind of determine the amount of resignations they always have. They probably always will. But they people quit to take advantage of the opportunity of a market that's allowing those opportunities. So the question then becomes, if it's not the great resignation, is it the great rejuvenation? Now, analysis are linking the great resignation specifically to this thing called the great rejuvenation because there's been an unprecedented wave of grassroots entrepreneurship that's coinciding with these resignations. So on an initial analysis, you look at it and say, a lot of people are quitting. A lot of people are starting jobs. These two things correlate in very specific natural ways. So we need to analyze that and look at it. And that's what this is about a little bit today. And I, I think it's more of a recalibration of what we're doing. It's not in the past. I, you think of calibration, you, you know, the term calibration uh, created another word called calibers. It's a tool that's, that's used to measure very, very small increments of size of, of, of measurement. But calipers really kind of connote um, or connotate very small incremental movements or very small incremental degrees of measurement between things. And this seems much larger, so it doesn't feel like a, a calibration. I'm still saying it is. It's just reflecting different because of all the external environmental circumstances that have been created over the last year and a half. So this unprecedented grassroots entrepreneurship has coincided with these quits, these job quits. So in 2020, 4.35 million people so far have applied to start new businesses. Now, those new businesses can be looked at in terms of uh, businesses that may, you know, have a chart that comes across here. These these businesses, um, while as an aggregate are huge so far this year, they compile or include both businesses that really don't have any potential of adding employees to a business and those that do. Now, looking at this measurement in this chart, you can see that the employees, or the, excuse me, the business starts, the people that are applying for EIN numbers, FEIN numbers, um, are that's federal um, employment identification numbers. The people that have the potential to have employees 
is moderately higher than it has been over the past several years, but still on a pretty consistent line of demarcation. The big jump really occurs in the quote-unquote other group. That other group is kind of the, in, in the way I look at it, might be dictated a lot by uh, in coinciding, not necessarily with a lot of quits, but with a lot of people looking at how do I buffer what I do. I said a little bit ago that a transportation logistics industry needs to have, I didn't say buffer, but that's really what I was talking about when I threw the, the term FEMA in there. We, we've got to be ready. You don't, there's an old saying, you don't build a church for Easter, right? The idea is that you don't build this giant church that only, only has X number of people in it just because you know once or twice a year you'll have a huge throng. But you do, and every business knows this, you do Utilize the capacity you have and try to secure always additional clients, additional people in your pipeline to sell your service or, or your wear above and beyond your capability of supplying them. Because that keeps your demand for something. That, that shows you that the demand for something is always a little bit higher than your supply for that. So that's economics 101. But when we're talking about challenges that occur in supply chain, you build yourself a, a buffer, a quick response of supplier service that enables you to get over the hurdles of supply chain challenges that can occur. Now, when we go back to talking about person-to-person -person jobs, what we really see is people, in my opinion, building a backstop, building an additional source of income. And I, it doesn't matter if it's a network marketing kind of thing or if it's somebody using a craft that they do and turning it into an Etsy shop or selling things on eBay or, or they have some widget or some service or, or people that are retiring from the baby boomers becoming consultants in the fields that they have. All of these things demand from a, a federal and state level that you put together an actual business, have a business plan, formulate that and create a business on it. Get yourself an EI number so you pay your taxes properly and you have your workman's comp insurance and everything that needs to happen needs to happen. So those, I believe, are some of the underlying affects that, that are a part of the reason that these kind of things are happening. So to get back to where we were at a little bit before I go off on too much of a further tangent again, is that we have so many of these things, the record year for people applying for to start new businesses. But after initial uncertainty caused by COVID and Q2 2020, where there was a you know uptick in new business starts in Q3 saw region all time high. Monthly ap applications peaked in July over 550,000 at that time. And in 2021, new business formations had continued to soar. April and May, there was half a million applications, second and third highest in monthly totals there are. You can see from the chart what we're talking about here. So if the pandemic encouraged mass resignations the way the great resignation calls for that. This unleashed really an enormous wave of people for all the reasons that I've just mentioned, backstops, additional income, fortifying things when they've been sitting at home, reevaluating or having those anecdotal life-changing epiphanies. Whatever the reasons are, there's been an enormous wave of entrepreneurship. People want something better. They want to have some purpose and something offers some meaningful connections with others especially when you have no connection with anybody while you're sitting at home. So they took a chance and exercised those talents. Part of this, of course, is that the ability to start your own business has been made very, very simple over the course of really the last decade and a half 
But if you don't, if you're not looking for a backstop, backstop, if you're not in a dire situation economically, if you're worried about the subsidies from the government running out or your, or your, um, not social security, but your, uh, unemployment insurance running out over time, which just stopped like yesterday or the day before or something like that, then suddenly the freedom of being able to start a business and making it very simple to do so with the myriad of, of, of sites you can do that out there, uh, created not just an entrepreneurial wave, but allowed people that thought about it but didn't want to go through the hassle of doing it now say, why wouldn't I? So that's part of that. And, and one of the things that I think has to be, be not noticed but recollected is that businesses fail much, much more often than they succeed. I mean, that's just, that's always been kind of a, a, a simple programmed thing that you have to remember when, when talking about these items. And in, you know, if, if you look at, if you just look at the chart that I put up on the screen just now, you can see that, you know, the fail rates for businesses, and this is starting in 2015 through 2020, you can see in the first year, over 20% fail. By the second year, it's it's almost 31% and it goes up until you get a five-year delta of 50%. So out of the millions and millions of businesses that are created each year, by the time five-year rolls around, 50% of them are gone. Now, this does not differentiate between those types of businesses that will gain employees versus those that are just, uh, you know, um, doing business as individuals on a consultative manner, on a, like I said, on the online situation. Which I think it's a big part of this, but it's it's very interesting that you should definitely note that this is the case. This is the fail rate. Now that fail rate may be even higher based on you know what's what we're going through right now in you know during this period when people are are taking on the added burden of creating a new business because some of those people may go back to the business type they were in working for a corporation before all this started. They may set aside that business. And maybe it continues to be an, an income stream for them, and maybe it doesn't. Maybe it becomes one of those fifty percent that goes away after before five years is up. So that's something to consider. So I think one of the most important lines from the uh, article that was put together on high level about this particular subject the other day was really that even though this is still a rejuvenation of some kind, no matter what direction you look at it from. If there's business starts um, correlating with business, or excuse me, job quits, then it is still rejuvenation. Yet the seeds for transformation like that, the seeds for recalibrating your life or your job design or your business interests really are found in markets, not in the dark psychology of a pandemic. So if we look at the data, resignations and business formations, you know, I quit, right? Now off to start a business. So throw up your hands, you walk out the door, or you've been sitting at home too long, you don't think you're going to be able to go back, so you say, I quit. Not going back to that. So now you're one of the job quits. You're one of the great resignation people. And then you say, right away, I'm going to go off and start my own business now. So now you're part of the great rejuvenation. You're part of both of those entities at the same time. Makes some sense. And the data exhibited in the graph below, or the graph that I have on the screen right now, shows that job quits and business formations generally kind of move together over the years. This is 2004 to 2021. You can see some spikes and some things that kind of are anomalous or have greater 
uh, derivation from one to another, deltas between one another, but you can still see that they move generally together. However, the correlation is positive, not exponential. Okay, now we can get into the numbers. You can read the article online to see more detail about this, but this suggests that there are other more powerful factors that explain business starts. Let's take a look at a couple of those. Retail sales and business formation. Okay. Identified demand for services is the key factor for any business creation. Example, the shift in in-person transactions to online transactions, and you can look up, uh, it's just been an explosion of online opportunities, whether it's your own websites, which you can design by yourself on many different platforms, which a few years ago you had to go and out hire for, um, and, and Frankly, the IT side of things, the programming side of things, there are so many programs, especially in the younger generation today, and all those are individual businesses for the most part. They're all contractors in one way, shape, or form with an FEI N number if they're doing it correctly. So it's an explosion in, in e-commerce economics and participation in those. So people getting on those platforms, those platforms are getting regulated more and more and more. And I'm talking to big guys, Amazon, Google, eBay, uh, Etsy, all these, all these guys that, that perform a function that allows entrepreneurs and contractors to take their wares and services and, and put it on that platform are being regulated very closely. So having your own business and connecting to that business is an important element that where in the past, many, many people didn't do that. So that's obviously, in my opinion, part of the same thing. But there's also been a huge rise in our transportation logistics business for the same thing. There's been constant you know, countless ancillary business opportunities in transportation, warehousing, and the high tech around it, the, the programming aspect of the IT, the, the, the uh, <clears throat> information technologies that go along with making things simpler, big data warehouse type of things, analytics around that. Undoubtedly, entrepreneurs noticed that the turbocharged digital e-commerce uh, environment is there, and people that are watching these things want to exploit them. This is that, that risk reward thing we talked about before. The graph that I have on the screen now, you know, shows that business formations and retail sales strongly correlate, strongly correlate. The monthly data moves together much more so than business formations and job quits. So identifying a void and trying to fill it. If you look at this chart and the one I had it up last, and I'll bring both of those on the screen here so you can see them you'll see that while both run together, at least thematically, this one, the business formation and retail sales, runs together very, very closely. And, you know, the, the modeling on this was quite specific and quite designed to look for these kind of anomalous behaviors so using Census Bureau data, which is, is watching the impact of new business starts versus the quits that are going on. The analysis determines much more. Each variable impacts the decision to form businesses while controlling for the impact of other variables. So what I'm basically saying by that is it's, it's looking at core segments of industries. And if you take a look at this chart that I'm putting up on the screen now, you'll see that, uh, that <clears throat> excuse me, you'll see that there's a percent change in different businesses across different industries. And, and the reason, of course, that we took the retail and, and used that to start this correlation, this, this, this correlated diagram that you just saw, is because 54% of the, 
of applications were around that industry type, 54%. Now you can see on this chart, it goes all the way down to the, the negative stuff in the mining and quarrying and gas and oil extraction. Those are a lot of, a lot of that stuff really comes from governmental decisions to not continue with pipelines and to mitigate exploration on public lands and a lot of the things that a new administration does when they come in and want to forego or wipe out the previous administration's uh, dictates. So that's part of it. But the transportation warehousing section of it, if you'll look at that on line four, uh, there's 20, 27% of the changes. That's, that's a huge number, huge number um, of applications for that industry. But that's a very important U.S. Census Bureau statistical analysis of where those job or business applications in total to get the 100% come from. It's very interesting stuff. So again, if you look at the graph of the correlated retail business, um, model that I've that I've put up there for you to peek at. This model really, you know, looking at the, the the model with the Census Bureau information, the Federal Reserve information from St. Louis that was used as well. Two main results were yielded from the model. The first, over the entire period 2004 to 21, there was very modest statistically significant effect on job quits and business starts. So, when people quit, some percentage of them want to start something else. Now, it'd be very interesting, and maybe at a different time we can look at it, it'd be very interesting to kind of unpack that and look at the age differentials. Because I think as people go into their latter years and they have a certain amount of expertise that they uh, will have and are hopefully um, acclimated from a, a lifestyle standpoint to the point where they've got a bit of a nest egg and maybe their risk uh, tolerance has, has gone up to a point where they can venture off and do something independent of a corporation that they may or may not have worked for. So that might be part of it. We could unpack that at a later time. But there's a modest statistical significant effect on job with quits. That's it's true. However, the estimated impact on job quits on business starts does not change statistically. That derivation, that delta does not change during the pandemic, if you look at it. It, it still follows the line very, very closely. Now, if the pandemic had influenced people's sense of their job efficacy, as, as it's been reported with all the anecdotal primary news outlet kind of um, descriptors and stories around this, then the statistical connection between job quits and business starts should have been much, much sharper over the past 18 months. It was not the case. The second model demonstrated the powerful influence of economic opportunity which is where I go with this. I think it's really always about economic opportunity. The effect on retail sales on business formations is roughly six times greater than job quits. So in other words, while there's a job quit to business start correlation that is identifiable, it's there, it's small. It's six times more probable that there is a correlation between the retail um, sector sales on it on and on business formation. So in other words, when a lot more people want to buy a lot more stuff for whatever the reasons are, then a lot more people will start businesses to sell people a lot more stuff. That's what it comes down to. And so that that's so that you know, kind of the conclusion on this, you can draw a lot of things from these analyses. Um, the first is the data does not support the psychological underpinnings for the Great Revolution. Statistical association between job quits, you know, all the pandemic angst that goes on in business formations is modest. And while it's there and should be identified and looked at, 
it did not really strengthen over the last 18 months. It's pretty similar, especially when you again look at the difference between the other businesses started, those that do not look like they're going to recognize employment gains and those that do have employment gains, which was fairly flat in terms of the last 10 years or so. Um, so by itself, within the context of this model, job quick quits offer very incomplete and a weak explanation for this historic period of job formations. Second, retail sales, in other words, economic opportunities, designated this in, in this podcast by retail sales because that was the biggest area of influence from the Census Bureau information that we have, explains really a notable rise in entrepreneurialism. Uh, COVID certainly opened wide spectrum of economic opportunities for a very variety of reasons, some of which we've talked about, some of which we haven't. So when you're sitting at home and seeing these things happen and you spot the opportunities and you have the money and the wherewithal and the risk tolerance to go ahead and do it, this makes sense. During the pandemic, the financial system that fuels entrepreneurialism remained very healthy. You know, housings and asset prices continued to rise. So it's not like everything collapsed at once. And capital sources were plentiful and really inexpensive. The Fed has kept the, the rate of, of lending and borrowing down to a bare, bare minimum. And there's a lot of money out there to borrow if you can have some proof that you can pay back. And of course, the massive government stimulus packages surely helped as well because people had money in their pockets. They felt encouraged enough that they could get through this natural disaster and rise to an occasion and move their their direction to, to fill the opportunity void that they saw. So to be clear, we do think the pandemic caused many workers to seriously contemplate, you know, how their lives and livelihoods play out. Anytime you are brought near um, to, to situations that are catastrophic, it gives you pause. It gives you reason to reevaluate and, and think about where you're at, what you're doing, and where you might go in the next period of your business life and, and your, your home life as well. So I, I certainly think that that is there. But people don't quit their jobs just because they're disappointed in these things. And entrepreneurs don't start businesses just because they feel, you know, that, that it's that their current line of work is not effective for them. People act when environments have tangible opportunities for them to lift their, their livelihoods and their economic situation above and beyond what it is. You know, finally, the current growth in business formations draws attention to our economic future. You know, there's a professor, John Haltemeyer. Um, he argues that the new business starts really as a signal for major restructuring. Again, I've called it recalibration because I think restructuring offers too much of a let's blow these walls out um, and remodel the whole house type of thinking while recalibration means how can we change this to make it slightly better? How can we move in the direction we want to go by by you know putting in new countertops instead of wiping out the whole kitchen perhaps maybe maybe that's a bad analogy but it's the one I'm using for the day. But he's very optimistic on this. You know it's a doorway to a much better economy, perhaps. Well, time will only tell, and history will dictate that as we look back at it over the next few years. But the pandemic absolutely forced people and businesses uh, 
to drop outdated methods and try new things, new technologies, remote world, sparks all kinds of novel ideas and creates countless business opportunities, as you can tell from what we're talking about. But on the other hand, you must wait, you know, to see how businesses transition. Are there, is there going to be a 50% fail within five years? Is it 20 point whatever percent I mentioned a little bit ago within one, or is it going to be 35? I don't, it's going to be very interesting to see. I suspect it'll be higher than norm over the course of the next few years. Just because I think, again, that a lot of what we're seeing right now as far as business starts is partly backstop. It's partly buffer. It's partly your own personal way of preparation. So while there are preppers for all kinds of things in this world, the whole, life, the whole reason people prepare at all is because they're afraid of what might be coming. And when you come close to something like this that's happened to us over the last 18 months, it tends to make you want to prepare for what might happen again. But as the saying goes, you know, only time will tell whether the extraordinary expression of entrepreneurial promise uh, will turn into a real world benefit for these as individuals or as our industry as a whole or as the communities as a whole. Will this really be a restructuring? Will it really be a recalibration? Don't think it's really a rejuvenation. I think we'd all like to feel that in coming out of a pandemic, we can all feel positive about that. It's like getting a nice big breath of air or it's, it's like the feeling of having been sick and not sick anymore, which a lot of us have had across the last few months, years. So there's certainly be an impact. Um, the energy and business livelihoods should go up from this. It should affect a lot of different parties. And my hope is that within the next six months to a year, we can look back on this. And I would like to be wrong. I would like to see that a lot of these identifiable changes in methodologies of doing business, a lot of the way people have gone and created new businesses, whether they be for um, things that they've always quote unquote wanted to do and wanted to express that. Maybe people will retain these things as additional streams of income or additional buffers against possible calamity in the future. In any event, I wanted to share that with everybody today. As always, I wanted to invite you to, to join us at ilovelogistics.com, www.ilovelogistics.com, where you can be part of the community, start growing it, start helping us get the word out, and really show that this can be an avenue to learn about a very important subject, and that's supply chain transportation and how it affects you as, as a, as a uh, individual or family in the United States and the world as a whole. Um, join us for, be a subscriber on our, our YouTube channel, watch our podcasts online, listen, uh, listen on Apple, Spotify, whatever the case may be. Let me go back on that. <clears throat> Well, that's what really what I wanted to, to chat with you a bit about today. Maybe a little long-winded on certain subjects. I get really passionate about some of these things, and I hope you do too. And that's part of the goal, really, for you to become part of our community. If you haven't already, come to ilovelogistics.com. Come across your screen right now. Be part of that community. Be part of the way to grow people's understanding of this business in general, what it provides for us in context of our livelihoods and lives in general. Be, be listen to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, whatever you need to, uh, you know, subscribe on our YouTube channel. But again, join the growing community of people that find this information to be important to their lives and livelihoods today. And at the very least, stay in touch with the goings on the, the, uh, the day in transportation logistics supply chain. 
As always, thank you very much for joining this edition of Jaws Bites. I look forward to seeing you next time. Take care. 